Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, thank you for joining us for the February edition of Three Squares. We are thrilled that you are here. We've got a great show again coming up for you. Uh, My name is Charlie Arnott with CFI and Look East. We are dedicated to keeping the food system trustworthy. And my two co-hosts, Susan Schwally and Kevin Ryan, if you would be kind enough to introduce yourselves. Hi, Susan Schwally, the NPD Group plus IRI, soon to have a new name coming to you this month where we are dedicated to understanding the food and beverage CPG and general merch universe of what consumers are doing and why. Is Drippin' still in the running for the new name? Is that still? Well, if you look on LinkedIn, we have a lot of water, two rivers coming together, Charlie. So maybe, maybe we will be dripping insights. For those that need a little bit of background, Charlie (laughs) believes that they're going to take NPD and IRI and make an anagram. Of the two, right. <laughs> which dripping is, is insights. They'll, they'll be dripping a, with insight. Well, you know, the data platform is liquid data. So, Charlie, oh. you may be onto something. Oh. I, think, I, am, I think Charlie's right. I am not go. privy to the name <laughs> yet. All right. All right. You heard uh, it here first. Kevin. That's right. Kevin Ryan, uh, Malachi Strategy and Research, uh, helping CPG and uh, food retailers uh, with the front end of strategy and uh, innovation. Excellent. And once again, our Wunderkind, our, our, our favorite food scientist, cookbook author, and uh, and food expert extraordinaire Kevin has come up with a fabulous guest for today's show. So we will engage with this guest and kind of probe some of the things going on in, in this particular sector of the food system. And then, of course, we will conclude with another episode of What the Food. So, All right. Kevin, with that, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I'm super excited. We have uh, Pete Speranza here today. Uh, so I have a quick bio of Pete, but Pete's going to probably give us a lot more detail. But uh, Pete, for those of you that don't know, Pete is the CEO of Wicked Foods, which is a plant-based brand, uh, which started in the UK, which I think Pete will, will give us a little bit of background of that. Uh, and he's now leading uh, the company through a global expansion. Uh, Pete is also the operating venture partner at Unovis Asset Management, which is a fund that uh, invests in alternatives and animal protein products and uh, looks to target for higher impact growth for those type of uh, uh, companies. And then prior to that role where Pete and I uh, met, Pete was the co-founder and business development strategist at General Mills 301 Inc., which was the emerging, was and is the emerging, uh, emerging brand elevator at General Mills. Uh, and Pete worked at General Mills for 23 years. Uh, so, uh, Pete, welcome to Three Squares. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for letting me join. Yeah, absolutely. So no, this is this is great. <laughs> uh, but as I kind of started off there at the beginning, if you wouldn't mind, you know, what is Wicked Foods or Wicked Kitchen? Which, which, yeah, which yeah. name Wicked do you go Foods by? The name of, yeah, Wicked Foods is the name of the company, but the name of the brand that's visible to consumers is Wicked Kitchen. And, and that's what we use globally as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll give you. A, let me give you a two-second background on that. Um, you know, most people probably don't even know this. Uh, it's it's actually a ten-year-old uh, kind of mission company that's been built uh, over time here. But t- ten years ago, it was actually a blog. So it was called Wicked Healthy. It's a mm-hmm. blog. It was created by two vegan chefs. They happened to be brothers. 
uh, Derek and Chad Sarno. Uh, at the time, they were working at Whole Foods as uh, corporate chefs and really doing training and everything else internally there. And they created this blog, and it was really to help consumers and friends and family and others just like get inspiration and really understand how to leverage plants more and more in their daily lives. Um, they've always been advocates for the space. You know, obviously, as, as vegan chefs, they ran restaurants before that and all that stuff. So they had a tons of knowledge and they really wanted to share it. So it started out as a blog 10 years ago. And then about five years, fast forward five years ago or five years later, uh, Derek Sarno gets recruited from by Tesco to come over to the UK and really start the brand there under a, a food brand called Wicked Kitchen. Uh, and, and Tesco really... You know, finally takes the lead, I would say, because it's a it's a uh, a retail that's probably not known for innovation or being the front of 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 something, but but in reality, they really did, and they really took their mission to heart. They leveraged Derek's expertise. He he came into the company as a true culinary innovator in the plant based space. He ended up running all their innovation for all their plant based products in the store. Uh, but part of the mission was to bring his brand over Wicked Kitchen and actually get it started. And it turned into a juggernaut over in the UK. Then four years, it turned into a massive success and, you know, the largest plant-based brand in the UK by far, uh, even today. Um, right. And then on top of that, then I came on board three years ago, uh, really with, uh, you know, creating a more formal mission and and really inspiration around what we're going to do globally by leveraging that great work in the UK and really think about like, all right, how do we launch this thing in the same way that it kind of took form and took shape in the UK and how do we do that on a global scale? And, and that's exactly what I came in to do. Um, so we built it into two things. One, uh, and I'll just, I'll end after the mission and uh, and you can ask another question, but you know, the mission is simple. The mission is around inspiring people to eat more plants, right? Um, we're not gonna be meat shamers. We're gonna inspire people through, you know, culinary really is where it's at. Um, Kevin, you know this from the work that you've been doing for for probably your whole career. To get to the hearts and minds of people that change their habits, it's it's around craveable food, right? That just ha gets in your everyday routine, and that's what this brand uh, at its very heart is around. I just want great tasting food that just happens to be made with plants, um, and, and I'm going to drive it through variety. And we're also going to be thought leaders in this space, so we're not just going to be ones you know sharing food, but we're actually going to be uh, right in the front and center of really changing you know the the hearts and minds of people through education and. And other ways to be a part of the community at large to really, you know, change what's going on here with the food system uh, to what you, Charlie said earlier. So, so very excited in here to share even more. But but that's kind of the story at a nutshell. Yeah. Before we, uh, everyone else jumps in, I it, to that to that uh, variety of food. Can you give us a sense of what the portfolio? I know there's just a lot of you have a lot of SKUs, but like what what do you you know, what are the the main portions? Of yeah, it? yeah. Let me, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about that as well. Um, in the UK, what they started with was in the fresh space of the store. Uh, fresh in the UK is a larger part of the store than typically in the US, but in the U UK, uh, it was perfect way to start because it's traffic, a lot of trial. Uh, so it started in fresh. Um, and then from there, Derek and the team over there really started thinking through, all right, all right if I'm a vegan, a vegan or if I want to move to a plant-based diet, I truly need variety. Like I don't walk in the door every th thinking about meat and d dairy all day long. I want snacks. I want brownies. I want cookies. I want everything that you want in your normal life. You want a vegan version that you can trust, a trusted brand in that space. And that's truly what they created in the UK um, to really have a trusted go-to brand in every single category in the store. Um, from there, all the learning that we had in the last four or five years, um, you know, because we have 110 SKUs actually in the UK in 16 different categories. 
but we're not going, you know, 16 categories globally, right? We're going to just take those power ones, the ones that we know that truly resonate with those consumers. We have tons of data, tons of information. We're picking categories also that are just everyday food items that people put in their basket weekly, typically, and going, you know what? We can win there. We have a product that's amazing. We already have some great data in the UK to, to really drive it. So, so as you think about a store today, especially in the US, you know, we focus a lot on meal solutions in the center of the store. There's not a lot of innovation there, especially in plant-based. So, so think about uh, pantry stuffing things, uh, cups that you add hot water, you can take to work and just have a real easy, convenient you know, meal that just uh, happens to be made with plants once again. Um, then in the frozen side, because the US is a big frozen market, you know, we launched um, pizzas, meals, ice cream. We're coming out with appetizers. Um, we just bought Good Catch. So now we have a seafood offering actually in that space as well. Um, and we really think that's where, you know, the majority of our focus will be in the U.S. for a while because we know uh, frozen and even then this uh, economic uh, downturn, in a sense, um, people are going more and more to frozen actually in the store. So so we'll really uh, create a big uh, presence, I would say, in the in the frozen set. But then we also lastly have amazing products in the bakery and then Impulse in the U.K. that just turn phenomenally well and are just delightful products. So. We just can't wait to get those uh, going in other parts of the world as well. You know, I think long this story, is, <laughs> yeah, no, this is great. And it kind of like really dovetails with a question I was turning over in my mind. You know, we've seen plant-based, um, you know, kind of going through some downturn, if you will, when, when we kind of think mostly about like the all meat alternatives and different things, but you're approaching plant-based in such a broader holistic way way that I find really interesting. Um, and so, I mean, that tells me a little bit, you've explained what does plant-based mean to Wicked Kitchen now, but like, what's the next step beyond, beyond this? Like, how do you keep, keep yeah, this going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think, uh, what's interesting, especially in the U S with plant-based, it was really around the ingredient companies, right? So the beyond impossibles, Oatly, you know, Kite Hills, a few others that made a few uh, everyday products, but a lot of it was ingredients at the time. Um, that was the major part of the focus. But once again, you weren't really getting the consumer's full basket <laughs> when they walk in the door because there wasn't variety, right? And and that's what, to your point, we're bringing a different approach. We're actually a food company, not an ingredient company. Mm -hmm. We bring tons of variety to the to the plate here. It's all about culinary first. It just happens to be with plants. So we don't talk a lot about the ingredients. We don't talk a lot about you know, that we're a plant-based company, you know, uh, we're just a great tasting food company that happens to be made with plants, right? And we keep that attitude through the brand, through all the stuff that we do online, visuals, uh, training, cooking, in-store, out-of-store, all that stuff, right? So, so that's been kind of a differentiator. Now, back to the industry for a second, you, uh, you hit the nail on the head. I think overall, just my learning from being a part of this industry for a long, long time, we overhyped those ingredient companies <laughs> as, as a global, I'll call financial community, right? We, we, we treated them like they're tech companies. We treated them like the multiples were going to be way out there. And they're like, no, they're actually food companies. What are we doing? Um, and that overhype uh, that happened in the last five, seven years, you're feeling a little bit of that noise now going like, whoa, why aren't they so successful? It's like, actually, they are successful and they've been growing like a weed. Uh, but not to the pace that some of the investors probably thought because of the high valuations that people were giving back then. So there's going to be a little bit of a consolidation in the market, a little bit of a reset, but it's it's normal, right? If you look at the uh, auto industry and the electric car industry, you'd say the same thing. Five years ago, you were like, I don't know if Tesla's going to make it. 
Um, and then they started getting a lot more traction, but then the bigger companies start going, I'm coming for the ride. I see it. <laughs> and, and you're going to see a, a wave of change here in the next two years, right? In electric cars and driving, but it was a combination of going through a little bit of an up and down uh, period about five years ago and get regulations on track, get other people educated enough to really say, yeah, consumers are there to go. Uh, and we feel the same in plant-based. It's just getting started, to be honest with you. Is there anyone um, you're watching in your rear view mirror? And I have someone in mind in the frozen space, and I'm curious what you'd say. Is there any brand out there that you like are really? You know, uh, yeah, has a competitor here, saying, yeah. um, You know, it's a little bit, I don't see truly in the plant-based space, there's truly nobody like us. To, yeah. uh, so I, I, I truly believe we're building new ground. You know, we got that success in the UK early. The UK market's probably two years ahead of the US from a plant-based perspective. Hmm. So it's kind of fun to see what the future is going to look like in the US by watching what's going on over there a bit. Uh, but no, you know, and I see a few brands like maybe Tattooed Chef just because they're a little bit more on that culinary bend and they yeah. come with variety that could be a competitor per se. But no, I, I truly don't see a a, a true competitor at, uh, right now, um, you know, in the Beyonds and Impossibles, you know, I mean, they have five meat skews or whatever. Right? And that's not who we are. So, so I see them as collaborators, not, not really competitors. To be honest well, with you. I've got a couple of questions. I'm going to try to get a two for one if I can. I'm, I'm fascinated when you were talking about impulse. Uh, I think that's really interesting. I, I love the way you opened talking about the fact that it's, you know, it's all coming through a culinary approach. It's all about taste. It's about flavor. It's about good food first. And then it happens to be plant-based. So Tell me, tell me a little bit about the impulse. And then also, how does good catch fit into the overall strategy? Is that, help, help me understand how you integrate that. So it, it's about impulse. And then how does good catch fit into your, your longer term strategy? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, just a quick uh, history on myself. Um, when I was part of that 301 Inc. team at General Mills, I actually put an investment from General Mills into good catch. Hmm. I was actually on the good catch board for two years. <laughs> uh, so once that one, I knew the background and and really what uh, what that company was about. So I had some real good insight, right, to, of, of what it was. But more importantly, the two chefs we talked about, Derek and Chad Sarno, they're also the founders of Good Catch. Oh. Um, yeah. So Derek went to Wicked in the UK. Chad stayed in the US and ran Good Catch with, um, with a leadership team that they built around it and 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 started building momentum. Um, but as I looked at it through my M and A kind of lens, I was like, you know what? There's two things going on. One is it's very accretive to our mission, mm -hmm. right? We're not doing seafood. It doesn't overlap with anything we're doing. So it's very additive to what we do. And we're a culinary or a, a category agnostic kind of kind of brand. So having even Wicked and Seafood would be a big change. You know, we'll just bring culinary to it, right? So our crab cakes and our even our everyday fish sticks and things like that are actually very uh, exciting for us. But it, But it's very accretive to what we do. But also then you have the two brothers now come together and now can work together every day, um, which is quite exciting, right? To have two of the founders that that um, kind of were working on two separate things now can come back together and actually really drive the mission and the education side of it uh, and the culinary side um, piece of it. So that's been that's been amazing. But back to what I was mentioning around the industry and the overhype, you know, as I was looking at a seafood, even with General Mills eyes, I was like, you know what, it's not going to grow as fast as you think, but there is a plant-based seafood option that is needed, right? But it's not going to move as quickly because there's a health angle that consumers see in meat that they don't see in fish in a sense of uh, why I'm going to maybe move over to plant-based mm -hmm. version. 
um, and you're so the it's it's not that it's not going to happen. It's just a longer trajectory, right, for it to change. And I was like, I don't know if one single company in seafood could really kind of survive the ups and downs of that as that builds, because it's just a long trajectory, right? But inside of a company with a lot of variety, it could thrive, and that's what yeah. we're super mm-hmm. excited about of having it a part of our you know portfolio of of of, of, of great ingredients and great products. Yeah. So Excellent. you're you're both retail as well as food service. And you've made yeah. some, some yep. food service, right? And like, it's so interesting when we saw like Impossible Burger launch, they used food service to get their get their attention. But can you talk a little bit about the role of food service in your, you know, in your strategy and and, and kind of how you think about that as a manufacturer, both sides? Yeah, yeah. What's been fun about food service is if you think about two, three years ago, you know, even when I came on board for Wicked, it was during covid there was stadiums that might be playing games that there was nobody in the seats, right? So, so they weren't thinking about innovation or food or, you know, what, what should they do now? But, but now that everybody's kind of out of that, all those same vendors and Airmarks and uh, Cisco's and others had the same mission as a lot of the retailers have, which they want more plant-based on their menu because it reduces their carbon footprint. Like that's true, a motivator to get on shelf in a sense for, in a lot of ways for retailers, but it's the same for food service. And if you can bring, once again, culinary to it and have a craveable product on your menu and it's turnkey, even better, right? And that's what we bring to the table. Um, you know, as the Timberwolves here in Minneapolis, which we're, uh, we have a concession stand there and we do a, a, a meatball sub, a burger, a, a Italian a sausage and things like that. And we have our ice creams there. Uh, but more importantly, we actually created all the menu items and all the ingredients that go in every single one to create the experience, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what the culinary team over at the Target Center is like, I don't know how to how to really work with plants that well. Like, like I've been cooking animal protein forever. Like, I need help. And then we could come in and now train and really get them to understand how to make a craveable product. And David Fema that runs the culinary uh, team over there, I don't know if you know him or not, but he's a pretty famous chef in Minneapolis here. He just fell in love with Chad as they were talking about you know, it's like one of those, if you have two doctors talking to each other and you can see they're clicking, right? You have two chefs doing the same thing. And all of a sudden, David Fimo, that runs the, the culinary side of uh, the Timberwolves and the, and the Target Center, he's just like, I'm in. <laughs> so that was just another check for us to go like, all right, the chef's already there. Like, like, So I worked with the business team and we got it all in. But but the point is, uh, people are looking for craveable options. They still want to celebrate at, at stadiums and other places when they go there for music events and others. But to not have any of these options is crazy, right? So uh, so we're coming with that same culinary flair where you know our ice creams are being sold in there and they're the only ice cream at the stadium now. They took the dairy ice cream out and actually just put our ice cream in because hmm. they're like dairy uh, eaters of ice cream would are going to have a great experience. And the folks that actually have allergies or other things actually now have Enjoying. a go-to mm-hmm. that they never had before. And now the supply chain only has one ice cream, not two. So we really love to think of ourselves as a replacement, not an alternative. With the type of food that we create. I always think it's interesting to see that you can tell a lot from a company by what their founders originally were. And the fact that the chef component of it, the culinary component of it versus, you know, I know there's others in the space that are more scientifically or marketing or say, you know what I mean? And so it's really interesting that the culinary part is a constant thread through everything that you do. And that they know what goes on in the back of the house, because right now with, of course, labor issues, it's got to be easy, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, they're looking at all those angles to your point. So it, it's the tr- truly turnkey because they're thinking of all the different, how hard it is to make sure everything can come frozen, have a little bit of shelf life, can hold under heat, lamps and things like that. I mean, they're 
they're truly thinking through everything through and through. And it's because they've already ran their own restaurants too. So they have a, a, a lot of experience in that space as well. But, but one of the things I think that's unique about it, back to this culinary for just a quick second, is our rice creams are made with uh, lupini bean. Um, and, and actually, Kevin, back in our General Mills days, if I would have went to Haagen-Dazs and said, yeah. can you launch a lupini bean ice cream? I think it's a, you know, it's amazing ingredient. It's a great, they'd be like, no way. <laughs> that's a small idea, small product. How are we going to educate consumers, things like that? But we look at it as our, our uh, chefs are looking for the best ingredients in the world to create the ice cream experience that we want. And it just happens to be lupini bean as the ingredient, right? So we don't talk about lupini bean, but I've created the best experience as we looked at all different ingredients that we'd want in our ice cream. Um, and that's the difference between now that becomes a big idea versus if I was <laughs> at General Mills, they probably would have kicked me out of the room and said, you're crazy. But uh, so long story short, that's kind of the culinary side of thinking about food. You know, you're, you're looking for the best ingredients for the chefs to use, and that's what we're doing. So let me go back to the business piece of it. I, you know, speaking to somebody in the DC community several weeks ago, and he said, you know, the the, the faucet is is turned off, right? For for all products, yeah. it's just very difficult. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned they were overhyped. There are people that are thinking the category is 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 on its last breath, and yet you just finished a new a round of funding, and uh, yeah, you, you talk you yep. talk about a very different approach here for Wicked. So, what's the future look like from your perspective, and not not just for Wicked, but what do you think for the category? Yeah, and I was what I was mentioning a little bit earlier. I mean, it's 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 a tighter market for sure. People are you know worried about profitability a lot sooner than than they used to in in, in startups and, and growth companies. So there's a little bit different conversations going on for sure uh, when when you're coming to look for funding. Um, to your point, the hype was really on those ingredient companies, and and whoever went in there probably feel like they are a little bit burnt, but but once again, I, I personally feel like they put too much pressure on that thing moving as quickly as it can. You gotta go at the pace of the consumer adoption. And and I and I think that the financial community almost wanted to push it harder and and it didn't go as quickly as they probably wanted to. But it's still growing, right? You know, Impossible's growing 50% plus this past year. I mean, so Zen Green companies are still growing at a higher pace than most uh competitors in in the other animal kind of sectors and stuff like that. But but long story short, what we're trying to do is, you know, just really separate ourselves from that, though, because we are just an amazing food company, right? Um, I don't want to get caught up as I'm an ingredient, plant-based ingredient company. Um, I'm just in a, a great food company. Plus, we have the history of the UK. So obviously, for any other, you know, new entrepreneur looking at it, you're, you got to get some proof in the pudding, right? So you can present to, to uh, financial investors, you know, some leg legitimacy in a sense of, like, consumers reaction or turns and things like that. So, so as we're going to the market for it, you know, we're leaning a lot on our five-year history in the UK, a year and a half now in the U S you know, nationally, right. We're in 9,000 stores uh, now in the U S um, in 18 months. So, so now every week that we get new information, obviously that helps build the case, you know, for more funding as we, you know, cause we're not profitable yet, but we're obviously chasing that. So, uh, so yeah, that, that, that it's a harder story though, if you're a younger company brand, or if you're, truly probably in the meat or dairy side of plant-based, you're going to have a hard time finding funding. Um, it just, it's just a matter of fact. So this is where I see consolidation probably happening a little bit, which could just strengthen the category, which I'm almost more excited about. Cause I think that that's where it's going to drive the true growth, you know, having stronger yeah. companies or better position companies, or maybe some people that came off shelf. So then the stronger companies could have actually have more room to grow, you know? Yeah, I think that that seems like a logical uh, evolution of the category. We're going to see some consolidation, some integration that'll take place. Some will be washed out. 
And those who are left will be the survivors that will take the category forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the consumers, you know, once again, it's, we're scratching at the surface here, right? If I had a crystal ball after watching what's going on in the UK, I'd be like, there's a lot going on there in the next two years in the US. Uh, and it's going to be way different than it is today, but it's going to be stronger and bigger than it is now. Um, and then we got, I get a chance because we just launched in Thailand as well to look at the Asian market. And that is probably five years behind the UK. And uh, but but they're government and other folks there are reshaping kind of the way people are thinking about food. And, and, and that's going to, it's going to be a very big market there too, for plant-based uh, over the next 10 years or so. So, yeah. So globally, that's, there's a lot of room to grow. That's interesting though, that idea, because, you know, you think of most Asian cooking and you think it's very plant-based, you know what I mean? That you think that it's already is, but it's interesting that you oh, have to kind meat. of, re- <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of the meat is the focus. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and what's cool about it is they, you know, for the Asian market in general, and I, I spend more time in Thailand than almost anywhere else over there. But, uh, you know, they listen to their government. They're <laughs> they listen right. to science. Uh, yeah. So I, I see them moving quicker actually than maybe even in the U.S., where fifty percent of the people are kind of like, I don't know if anything's going on in the world. And it's like, you know, like there's a reason why. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe the ice caps are melting quicker than we want them to, or whatever. <laughs> right. uh, so uh, yeah, so I see some of those parts of the world moving probably even faster than the U.S., but the U.S. is still moving that way. It's just not talked about as publicly as as some of the other places. Exactly. Very cool. Awesome. Well, Pete, thank you so much. It was great to have you on uh, Three Squares. We look forward to following your success. And uh, I think the culinary strategy is very, very interesting. I really appreciate you spending a little time with us today. Yeah, we'll oh, have awesome, to get you yeah. back like in another year. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'd love to join you again. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank and Charlie, you. Charlie. Yeah, absolutely. He was, he was a good catch, Kevin. A good catch. Oh, very good. Oh, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. oh, if Charlie. Charlie and Susan, if you haven't had the lupini bean, as Pete was talking about, the ice cream, it is amazingly good. I have not, really but in doing a little research to today, I, I, I know exactly where I can find it. And it's very close to our house at Sprouts. Yep. Send me a note after you try it. Cause everybody goes like, yeah, let me see. And then when they try it, they're like, Oh, can yeah. I get it online? Maybe through Amazon? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Only our ambient products you can get from Amazon. Is it in Meyer? It's in Meyer. Okay. There I'm going to find seven, it. You can, you can find products. a store locator on their website. Susan. I, I know I already put my <laughs> store in. Mobily. I did. <laughs> I can't have dairy, Pete. So you might become my new. Oh yeah! Once you hero. have this, this is your go-to. This is okay. your go-to. There it will be. There will be. Awesome. All right, Charlie. Thank so, you so much. Shall, yeah, Thanks, absolutely. Appreciate it. And Pete, you can stick around and play the game because oh, cool. Charlie and Susan are they're neck and neck here. So that's right. Can... That's right. Yeah. So what the food? What the food? <laughs> You're up, Kevin. All right. Well, so just imagine kind of, the theme from Rocky is yeah, playing in the background as Kevin yeah, right. introduces this segment of what. Well, the theme is. kind of a, it's kind of a switch here, but I was looking at the dates and everything, and it was like, well, Valentine's Day is over, and da yeah, da da. Yeah. So I was like, what is? It? And I looked at the calendar, and you know, almost every day on the United States calendar is like a day of whatever. Yeah. So today yeah. is the National Tortilla Chip Day. If you didn't uh-huh. know this, yes. Whoa. So tortilla chips, it's a, it's kind of narrow. So I thought instead I'd go a little bit bigger and chip and dip, which I later found out oh, the no. chi- chip and dip day is actually in March. <laughs> I didn't know there was a chip and dip day. There is. Oh, punchkis are passed. Punchkis I know. are passed. Okay. So this is a chip and dip quiz. What do you okay. know about chips and dips? Okay. So this is multiple choice. I like them. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Okay. All right. Number one, what was the first flavor of flavored potato chips beyond just salt, right? That was commercially produced. Was it A, barbecue, B, cheese and onion, C, salt and vinegar, or D, malt vinegar? 
So in which market are you talking globally? Globally. globally. Like the first time anyone ever seasoned a potato chip that they sold commercially. Malt vinegar. Yeah, I'm going to go with malt vinegar. All right. Salt and beet, vinegar. I don't, salt and vinegar. You're all wrong. It's B, cheese and onion. So cheese, no and, onion, cheese and onion. It was invented in 1954 by Joe Spud Murphy. Uh, and there's still the Irish potato crisp company, Tato, if you've ever seen that. Um, him and his employee, uh, Seamus Burke, which is a very Irish name, yes. uh, produced the first seasoned potato chip, cheese and onion, cheese and onion. Hmm. See, I was yeah. thinking you were going to say sour cream and onion. That was like my guess. I know, I know. That's not no, no. Or an early one, is it? No, okay. no, no, no. It makes my stomach hurt just to think about it. Of cheese and onion or salt? No, 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 no. Sour cream and onion because I, I, I like it. I, I have a hard time saying no. So. You eat you eat too much. I eat a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So still, okay, still, still tied here. All right, number two. Because no one got it right. No one got it right. I'm trying to keep. You know, you're very positive, Kevin. I appreciate. Still, still tied here because still zeros. Nobody's gotten it. Okay, this is true or false. Tortilla chips and salsa are a traditional snack or pre-dinner, pre-meal appetizer in Mexico. True or false? I'm gonna say false. I'm gonna say false as well. Maybe ceviche. Maybe not salsa. Pete. Uh, I'm going to go opposite. See if I, maybe I win here. Uh, true. So it is false. So Char uh, Charlie and Susan right. got it. So yeah, tortilla chips and salsa or tortilla chips in general, really were not, are not traditionally eaten in Mexico. They were actually invented in the 1940s by a woman named Rebecca Webb Carranza in LA when she was seeing all the rejected tortillas coming out of the automated tortilla, tortilla factory. And she needed, she thought, Hey, I could use these for She's our That's some raw material. Exactly. Yeah. It was upcycling. Yeah. So, yes. so the whole idea of eating chips and salsa before a meal, that's a total American thing. That's yeah, a total that American thing. That makes sense. It, it, it's clearly better than most probably. of the upcycled stuff that I've that's had. That's it, exactly. Which, yeah. Which is like scrapings out of a garbage disposal. So this right. is a much better option. <laughs> All right, three. There's five questions. So three. Okay. According to a 2013 survey by Tostitos and Ketchum mm -hmm. Research, what percentage of men say they double dip at parties? Oh, uh, like 80%. Is it, oh. is it A, 9%? B, 23%, C, 46%, or D, 72%. This is say, this is claimed. Say, yeah, they actually admit to this. I'm going to go to 40, I'm going to go 46. Susan? I'm going the highest number. 72, okay. Yeah, I'm 72 too. 72. All right, Charlie got it. It's C, it's 46%. And 32% of females say that they double dip, which is interesting because the follow-up question is, 54% state that they would not consume a dip after seeing someone else. Go. <laughs> that is so classic. That is so classic. That's perfect, right? Awesome. All right. Were well, these guys interviewed by themselves or did they I, have their wives next to them? Yeah, yeah exactly. 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 Yeah. Like, I All think right. Susan and I were right, actually. Yeah. So See, I you know it's higher. You Charlie's know. up. Charlie's up now. Charlie, there you're up. All right. Number four. Guacamole is one of the most popular dips in the U.S. However, avocados have not always been common on the U.S. table. Part of this may have something to do with their name. Prior to the early 20th century, what were avocados marketed as? Were they called A, green goblins, B, Mexican turnips, C, alligator pears, or D, buttermelons? Buttermelon? Is that your answer? No, no, no. I'm asking. That was that. Buttermelons. Yeah. Buttermelons. Wait, I'm stuck on alligator pears. So Did was it green goblins? Pears? Yeah. Green goblins, Mexican turnips, alligator pears, or buttermelons? 
I think it's A. I'm jumping in. Sorry. Green Goblins. Okay. Pete's going I'm going, going green Mexican goblins. turnips. I'm going okay. alligator pears. Charlie is right. It's oh, alligator shit. pears. Dang it. Uh, avocados Man. were called alligator pears because of their bumpy skin. However, yes. the California Avocado Growers Exchange, the trade group, in 1927, totally like revoked that. They said, no, 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 it's hurting sales. And they it took them a couple of years. They tried to call it the butter pear or the avocado pear before they landed on avocado. So, but Kevin, wasn't, didn't I read the Haas avocado was like literally planted by a guy who was like a postal worker? He was a mail. Like, yeah. Yeah. He was a, he was a, he was a mailman. Yep, yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. It was his hobby. So uh, is, that, is that a special variety of avocado or is it just yes. a brand? It is no, a ha- it's a special variety. So Haas avocado is the, is the variety you think of when you normally yeah. think of that. There's a couple of others that you it's probably like the Cavendish. It is of, of bananas. Yes, it is. So, so when I wasn't feeling well earlier this week, I watched Deadpool two again and they, they mentioned that, that they thought that Ryan Reynolds' face looked like the skin of an avocado. Well, and so that was the alligator kind alligator of- Alligator pear. There you go. Exactly. It always so comes that, back to Ryan Reynolds for you. It does. It does. It does. Yeah, you I'm, need I'm to obsessed. know that, that Charlie obsessed. selected Ryan Reynolds as the actor to play him in a biopic. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> now, that you, that. now that we say that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You, you, see it it. you can see it. Yeah. All right. Decide. Last question. And okay. Charlie, you're up. Two. You got two. Wait, he's up by how many? Do we have two? two. Can I'm Pete up by two. Two? I'm, I can't. I'm, out, I'm out. I think I'm out. Yeah. Dang it. Which of the following recipes were not included, not included in the 1974 edition, which I have back here, of the Better Homes and Garden Easy Recipes for Entertaining Cookbook? You wrote that, right? No, not in 1974. I'm oh. not that old. <laughs> Kevin's cookbook. Was it, I keep it on my desk. Here's Kevin. Times, Show Kevin so. when he was 12. He wrote cookbook. Yeah, I was 12. Yeah. Okay. Was it, uh, which of these is not? Not. Not. Not, in, not, not in 1974. Okay. A, curry pineapple dip. B, oyster cheese appetizer log. Oh, God. C, <laughs> Polynesian pork and pineapple dip. Or D, German beer cheese spread. The What's the first one, one again? First one. Curry pineapple dip. I'm yeah, going that with that one. There. Curry yeah. curry was not yeah. not yeah it was it was okay. Charlie, you said curry pineapple dip. Uh, what did you say, Susan? I'm saying the same thing. Curry. All right. Because I can't win anyway. Three. I'll do the third one. The gross is that the gross Pete, oyster one. Pete, you're right. It's Pete right. Polynesian. Okay, so Polynesian, Polynesian was, was not was in exotic. there, which I know the 70s yeah. was all about Polynesian, but that was not yeah. the one. Curry pineapple dip was there, as was. Oyster cheese appetizer loss. That, oh, that was so gross that I thought you probably Spit couldn't up. have made it up. So exactly. I thought that, that one yeah. was just, it had to be there. Kind oyster, of like aspect. So Charlie, log. Charlie's up by one, but Pete was, Pete was neck and neck there. There so we go. Came at, and and yeah. you, it again. Bring could it up, you scan bring in that back. oyster cheese log recipe for me? I can, I can, I can for you. I can do that for you. Got some family gatherings yeah. coming. <laughs> yeah. Family, family that you clearly don't like. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's a good way to get them, get them out of there. clearly don't like Hey, all right. Thank you, everybody, for for joining us again for another fabulous edition of Three Squares. Very much appreciate it. You can send us an email if you'd like to at threesquaresmail at gmail.com. That's the numeral three squares mail written out at gmail.com. We'll be happy to reply to that. If you've got suggestions for guests or other topics you'd like us to cover or things you would like to ask our resident expert, Kevin, uh, just send us a note and we'll go from there. Wait, Charlie, we had a question. We had a question. Can you spell out the name of the bean ice cream? So it's Wicked Foods. It's, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, you have a question? Yeah. yeah. About how your, do you how do you how spell, spell lupin? You no, know, there's bean. two spellings to it. It's loop, you know, L U I or L U P I N uh, or L O U I or P E at you know P E at the end. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Yeah. So L U P I N or L U P I N E. 
E. Yeah, there's yes. there's two spellings for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, my my computer's a bit wonky, so I'm not seeing my full screen. I've got a little teeny tiny window. Sorry, so, thank I just you, noticed. No, it, no, no, that's no. Yeah. Have, have a listener question as we speak. As we speak, real time, real time. Wow. It's so exciting. Right. Someone's actually listening. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's All a right. good question. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a good thank weekend. You. Thank you. Right. Have a good thank weekend. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.